It's showtime. Don't say it. Please, don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime! It's showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. I am your host, as always, Show. Thank you so much for listening. Always love chatting movies with you. Certainly seems like nature is healing, doesn't it, right? We did the last episode on the, all the action movies, and here we are talking about more uh, more movies just a couple weeks later. And it's funny, right, because we're only doing two movies on this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about The Mitchells versus The Machines, a great new animated feature from Sony Animation Studios. Kind of the some of the same team that brought you, not necessarily from a di- directorial standpoint, but certainly from an animation standpoint, some of the same people that brought you things like uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, for example, right? So that's definitely a great company to be in, don't get me wrong. And then we're also going to talk about The Paper Tigers, a great new uh, indie movie that is a fantastic martial arts, I guess action comedy is how I would class that one, right? So two great movies, we'll talk about those coming up starting with the paper tigers but i admit i wanted to initially talk about the paper tigers for certainly but also wrath of man and army of the dead so wrath of man is directed by guy ritchie starring jason statham and uh i think this is the first collaboration between those two dating back to like what 15 to 20 years dating back to like lock stock and two smoking barrels and snatch right which is crazy to think how long ago those movies came out but and also very good movies i I very much enjoy those movies right certainly their own like almost like their own genre of film i feel like right like crime comedy thriller heist something or other right like it's somewhere in between all those genres uh but great movie so i was interested to see this like hyper violent reunion between guy ritchie and jason statham and i also wanted to see army of the dead the latest film by Zack snyder which i'm not sure what the timeline was on him filming this and certainly like reshooting read cutting re whatever in uh, the uh, the justice league like the snyder cut but yes, uh, Snack Snyder did Army of the Dead, starring Dave Bautista and like a lot of other people I'm not super familiar with, but I, I admit I wanted to see it nonetheless, kind of like a zombie movie, because I remember Zack Snyder did Dawn of the Dead. So like, look, I, I wanted to add those two movies in, but like I said, nature is healing because those movies are not out for streaming, but they are out in theaters, which is pretty interesting, right? I think Wrath of Man came out at the beginning of the month, and Army of the Dead came out a couple days ago, and I thought they'd both be released. Maybe I'm just spoiled by what... Uh, HBO Max and Warner Brothers did, I was spoiled because I kind of expected them to come out on streaming the day they came out in theaters as well. And that is not the case, right? I think uh, Wrath of Man is still... I want to say, like, I'm looking at my calendar right here. It's it's the 16th as I film this, about to be the 17th. And I think it was, like, the 28th was when Wrath of Man was coming out. And Army of the Dead was released a couple of days ago on the 14th. And I think it's supposed to come out on Netflix, like streaming on Netflix, I think on the 21st. So by the time you listen to this, uh, it may not have come out, depending on when maybe you listen to this a little later on in May. Maybe it will have come out, in which case you can just skip ahead to that episode if you want to learn more about those movies. But I wanted to do a kind of another action feature with three movies. And of course, the uh, streaming services have thwarted me, it would seem. So we're going to only do uh, these. Well, not not only. It's not like these are consolation prizes. These are great. They're great films, great movies uh, in their own rights. It's just... Uh, we've kind of rejigged the uh, podcasting recording sessions, let's say, here in my, my home office, which is uh, also my bedroom, 
as I've said to you guys before. So uh, those those will come, I'm sure. Maybe since uh, since the last one, and since Army of the or since the Wrath of Man, pardon me, comes out at the end of May, I'm sure uh, beginning of June is probably when we'll get to those two movies. But yeah, we'll talk about Paper Tigers and. Uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines today, two great films. But before we do again, one quick thing: I started rewatching the Marvel movies. I started rewatching them. Uh, my uh, my girlfriend, I guess again, I keep calling her my girlfriend, my fiance. I gotta get used to that. I gotta say. Uh, but my fiance, we're getting married in August, so uh, fingers crossed that all goes well from a vaccine point of view and. You know Ontario point of view here in Canada, and again, I really hope everyone who who listens to this is as safe as humanly possible. But um, she is watching. She lives at home with her mom and her brother, and she is rewatching all of the movies one by one. And they're all pretty busy, so they kind of rewatch them one at a time. And I, I admit, when I say I rewatched them, I just kind of started where where they left off last night. So I think they started what they. I mean, they're watching them all in order. I'm watching them basically as I please, I'm in, in order as well, but, like, I'm skipping some of the ones I don't really want to watch, right? Like, I don't really want to watch the first Captain America movie. I don't really want to watch Thor 2. Iron Man 3 is fine, but I'll skip that one. Definitely skipping Iron Man 2. Um, I just watched The Avengers right before I recorded this. And I gotta say, that movie, gosh, like, it's, it's, that movie came out in 2012. It's weird to think that 2012 was almost 10 years ago, right? Nine years ago, certainly, uh, now. And it's strange to think that it's possible to be nostalgic about nine years ago. And I don't know if that's just, if it's like made more acute because of the pandemic. I genuinely am not sure. Or if it's just because nine years ago is a long time. And like I was at a very different place in my life nine years ago, right? Um, nine years ago, I hadn't even begun dating the woman I would later get married to and then divorced, right? Nine years ago. So that's how much life for me has changed. I'm, I, nine years ago, but in that nine year span, I met someone, got, dated them for five years, got married, got divorced, met someone else, broke up with them, met someone else, and then dated them for several years and am now in the process of getting married again, right? So that's how much life can change in nine years. Oh, and I've changed my career twice as well, like in a pretty radical way. Went from the banking industry to like talking in front of a microphone for a living, right? I had to do like radio stuff for a living, right? So it's pretty wild, pretty crazy to think that nine years ago can house all of those changes. And certainly if you're listening to this and your life has changed in a, in a radical way as well, hey, kudos to you for still being here, okay? That's what I'll say to you. Kudos to you for surviving because, you know, like they say, uh, what doesn't kill us make us stronger. And I'm not sure if that's like a, a Katy Perry lyric or something like that, but it is absolutely true, Katy Perry. So there you go. Good stuff from the from pop culture, right? But yeah, it's just the Avengers a decent movie, right? Decent decently holds up. But it's funny to think that with Endgame being what it is, like one of the highest grossing movies, if not the highest grossing movie of all time, it's just one of those things where you like you think about it and you think to yourself, man, like when Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man fought in that forest as Loki watches and giggles, you think to yourself back in twenty twelve, you're like, man. We would have, like, can you believe it? Like, stars, bona fide stars from their own movie franchises are meeting in one movie franchise and are, like, they're, they're interacting and having quippy dialogue with one another. And, and then, like, they, they, they have this crazy battle and the I'm always angry from the Hulk and the, 
the, the that, that cool shot where the camera goes around a bunch of them and the it follows the action through the the streets of Manhattan. Like it's just it was all so wild in 2012, and at the same time, it was almost like disappointing to watch because of the heights that movies like Endgame reached. Right, and again. I'm not going to I don't want to necessarily relitigate the conversation we had at the end of the last podcast about like whether or not Marvel movies are films, right? But again, like I vividly remember the reaction in the theater when Mark Ruffalo says that's my secret. I'm always angry and then hulks out and smashes that like weirdo alien dragon thing. I will never forget the reaction in the crowd because they lost their shit. Okay, like that was one of the most fun movie moments I have ever been a part of. And certainly that extends to other things as well. Like I'll never forget the uh, the energy that just just tingled through the crowd at TIFF when uh, when I watched Parasite for the first time and you found out there was a staircase underneath like the in the basement or whatever. Right. Like the the uncertainty of where that staircase led as the camera went down this like scary looking staircase and and, like concrete corridor the energy was like palpable in that room right or when i watched us for the first time and like the the girl goes into the fun house like a random woman sitting to my right uh she grabbed my hand and held it a woman i had never seen before she grabbed my hand and held it tight as it went down and then only after that scene did she like laugh and apologize and uh and like and like kind of like blush and look turn away and then we kind of chatted for a little bit after the movie but it just like those kinds of moments are what we have lost because of the pandemic right now i'm kind of getting off off topic here but i god i can't wait to go back in the movie theater right like Inception, for example, when the top spins at the end of the movie and it starts to wobble and bam, cuts the credits. I'll never forget. I went to go see that movie because what? Inception came out in 2010 or something like that. I went to see that movie with some of my friends when I was in university. And I will always remember that we went to see that movie on opening night. I didn't know a single thing about Inception other than that Christopher Nolan directed this film. And a guy stood up in the theater, in the audience, and he when the top when it cut to black, he literally got to his feet. And just said, what the F? And like cussed. And the entire audience, which had been like bubbling with anticipation, busted a gut laughing. Like every, he, that guy perfectly punctured the balloon of tension in the theater. And everyone started talking with their, with their seatmates. Like I, I would kill for a moment like that. And I'm not saying it's tied to Marvel movies. It's any kind of movie, but like, like, can't you just imagine for a quick second, can't you just imagine what seeing the end of a promising young woman would have been like in a theater, right? Can't you just imagine what the conversation would have been like around Anthony Hopkins' final scene in The Father would have been like as you came out of a movie theater? Like, I live for those moments. And I'm willing to bet that if you listen to me ramble about movie bullshit right that <laughs> you probably live for those moments too so again we'll go back to the reviews here but i just i cannot wait i cannot wait until we are seeing movies again more than bars restaurants clubs sporting events give me my butt in a movie theater my 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 kingdom for a movie theater right you know the the i, I was going to say that line from civ 5 no but the, the actual shakespearean line i want to say from henry the 5th or whatever right but my kingdom my kingdom for a movie theater i would do anything to get back into a movie theater and i'm and i'm sure you would too but uh movies though are what we're here to talk about and i have uh, wasted enough of your time so here we go 
Uh, I said we're going to do two movies today. Again, The Paper Tigers and The Mitchells versus The Machines. So why don't we start with the, the very funny and heartwarming martial arts comedy action film, The Paper Tigers. I swear to always honor my Sifu, to be loyal to my brothers, and to defend the weak. This I promise as a disciple to the very day I die. I gotta say, I haven't seen a movie like The Paper Tigers in a really, really long time. And I know a lot of people have been comparing it recently to other movies, because I guess that's the natural thing to do, right? When someone asks you, oh, how is a movie? I guess your first frame of reference is to think of something else, right? So if someone has seen, let's say, The Karate Kid, and you say, oh, yeah, The Paper Tigers is kind of like The Karate Kid, then people kind of know, I think, when you describe it going forward, what you are talking about, I suppose, to a certain extent, right? And I guess The Karate Kid is certainly referenced in The Paper Tigers, as are a number of other action movies and so on, but it is really its own thing. And I mean, look, it's directed by Kwok Bao Tran. It stars uh, as Danny, Hing, and Jim, respectively, starring Alan Ui, Ron Yuan, and Michael Shannon Jenkins. And, I mean, it's a pretty standard story, right? Like, nothing about this movie's narrative is particularly groundbreaking, right? It's the three teens trained under a master. They learn martial arts. Uh, They become estranged over time. 25 years pass. The Sifu dies under mysterious circumstances. They come together to solve the uh, circumstances of his death. It turns out it's a murder, and they go on the hunt for his murderer, right? It's a pretty, like, there's nothing really about that movie that I think, that, that structure I think that you should, you know, you're going to you're gonna listen to and you're going to think to yourself, oh, this is groundbreaking stuff, right? No, not at all. But what I think this movie succeeds where so many other action movies fail miserably is that, one, the three leads, played again by uh, Alan, Ron, and Michael, uh, the actors, are, they... They imbue Danny Hing and Jim with not just humanity, but with, you, you believe that they are actually best friends because they fall, even, even though they are estranged, they fall back into patterns they had when they were young right away. And, and you know what? I'll say this too. Something this movie does really well is before you ever meet the main actors of this movie, right? Before you ever meet the adult versions of Danny Hing and Jim... You meet their child selves. You meet their like kind of young selves, I guess, is the, how the credits call them. Then you meet their teen selves, and then it jumps forward to the, the present day, and you meet their their main the main actors, their adult, their adult selves. But it's cool because the original footage of them growing up, it's like one of them was carrying around like a camcorder, and they were recording their every move, and they were recording a lot of important parts of their lives, and uh, on VHS tapes. And it's cool because, you know, even when you, if you remember when you fast forward or rewound movies, you see the kind of like bar of static come across. It's not really static, but as the, as the tape is rewinding, you kind of see that stuff come across the screen. It's, it's all lovingly recreated from a VHS standpoint because you can see, I think, when they were younger, it's like the mid-80s. When they were teens, it was like the, like the early to mid-90s. And then, of course, we get to the 2020 and 2021, whenever the movie takes place. And it's just cool because you get to learn about these, these characters from the time they are like, you know, about 10 years old into their teenage years, and then you see them again as adults, and it's very easy to instantly recognize them, um, and they kind of joke about their appearances and how they've changed. It's a, it's a very clever way to start the movie by, by again, Kwok Bao Tran, and uh, I, I think it really makes you feel like you know these characters, and then when they start to see each other again, and they're being friendly, and they're hanging out, and they're kind of getting over some of the past wrongs with each other, they, uh, they, they slip back into patterns. 
And I think it just reminds you that, you know, if you've had friends who stick stuck with you for your entire life, that that's all it takes sometimes, right? Even if you, you know, you don't always agree on everything. I think that, that really, I got to say, it, it gave it a sense of realism that a lot, a lot of other movies these days have, right? So that was a big plus for me. But of course, look, you watch a martial arts movie because you want to see, you know, people get beat up, right? You want to see cool choreography. And I said when we did some of the other uh, action movies a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Mortal Kombat, for example, and how just the shaky cam and the quick cuts away, none of that is going on here. None of that is going on here. I can't tell you how delighted I was whenever they fight that it's, it is no cuts, fluid, it's quick, and it's kind of brutal, right? Because, of course, the idea is that these are three men in their 40s who have kind of turned their back on the martial art prodigies that they were when they were younger. And, uh, you know, muscle memory sometimes helps, but... As you get older, you can, uh, you know, you even if you know the move, sometimes your body doesn't want to cooperate, and they get their ass kicked a lot in this movie. <laughs> it happens a lot. They get their butts kicked. But, of course, you know, it's a crowd pleaser, right? I think this, mo- this movie is, again, like I said, not narratively insane in any way. It's a very familiar movie. So you kind of know in all the escalating series of fights as the movie continues, you kind of know that you're going to see they get their, get their asses kicked less and less as it goes on to the final climactic fight on a moonlit rooftop somewhere in Washington State, right? And then you, you kind of know what, what's going to happen in that final battle. You kind of get the sense, right? And it happens, right? They win. They are victorious in the end. They come home the conquering heroes and have a celebratory dim sum, right? It's just, they, again, nothing about it is crazy, right? But it's just the, the heart with which these actors imbue their characters is nothing short of remarkable. And then the choreography itself is fantastic. I think it's actually aided as well by the um, the mysterious interloper killer villain at the very end of the movie. You know, he doesn't have much of a personality. He's kind of just like, there's, there's a little bit of a story there, but it's not super important. But it's funny, the guy who plays him, um, the character's name is Jen Fan, and uh, the actor's name is Ken Kitugua. And uh, Kitugua apparently is also the film's stunt coordinator slash choreographer. Like, he's the action choreographer. So having him be involved in it I mean, he that guy was crazy. Like he lent some really nasty punches and and moves and stuff. It was it was really cool, right? So I gotta say, the Paper Tigers is is clearly filmed on a different level of budget than any of the movies we've talked about uh, recently. Certainly, from an action movie perspective, it is certainly an indie film, but it succeeds in so many ways where those movies fail. I gotta say, like, no guns are in this movie, for example, right? It's all martial arts. Um, I, I mentioned the Karate Kid earlier. They actually have uh, Yuji Okamoto, who plays a kind of, I guess he's like a restaurant manager or something, whose name is Wing. And I think uh, Okamoto played Chosen, if you remember that, from, like, the la- the latter Karate Kid movies. I think Karate Kid 2, I want to say. And, I mean, look, if you, if you watch... Uh, uh, Cobra Kai on Netflix. That's another. He's in that too. So it was kind of funny because they make the Karate Kid reference when he walks away from the table, um, which was a lot of fun. That was really cool. And certainly uh, Roger Yuan, who is the uh, Sifu, right? He is their Sifu. He, that guy has been around forever, right? I mean, that guy was in Skyfall. He was in Bulletproof Monk, if you remember that movie with Ch- Chow Yun-Fat. He was in Shanghai Noon. Uh, gosh, he was in Venom. I think he was in the reboot of Hawaii Five O. He was in Once Upon a Time in Vietnam. Like That guy is in everything and it was kind of cool to see him in a in a smaller role certainly um as their uh, dearly departed sifu so it's a it's just a fantastically filmed movie from top to bottom 
The choreography is top-notch, better than many big-budget movies you'll see today, uh, certainly in like Western-made Hollywood-type action movies. Uh, the acting is terrific, and look, even if the script and the narrative might be a little rote, it's created to be a crowd-pleaser, and for that reason, I think, if you like martial arts movies, you will love The Paper Tiger. So I can't, uh, I can't recommend it enough to people who like those kinds of movies. I've gotten so used to doing more than two movies in a single episode that it's kind of weird to say, let's get to the second, but also the last movie on this review. It's funny, right? Because when the podcast started out, we would just do two episodes or two movies an episode. But here we are, right? So uh, The Mitchells vs. The Machines, directed by Michael Rianda and Jeff Rowe, is uh, the latest from Sony Animation. And I gotta say, it is a doozy in the best possible way. The absolute best possible way. So without further ado, let's talk about the Mitchells versus the Machines. I, you know, I don't know if anyone remembers this song. I gotta say, I'm genuinely curious. If you do, hey, good for you. Um, I certainly remember this. Neon, Neon Cat? I think it was called Pop-Tart Cat for a while, and then Neon Cat, N-Y-A-N, Cat. And uh, I don't remember all the songs from this movie. There was a couple of really good ones, and I'll play another one at the end of the episode like we usually do. But uh, this song is in the movie at some point, and I want to go listen to it. Gosh, it's crazy. This thing came out in 2011. That was when this was famous, 2011. We just talked about nostalgia for things that came out nine years ago. This is even longer. Ten years ago, this is when this was popular. I think, if you're interested, I want to say this movie, or pardon me, this uh, YouTube video that Neon Cat was made famous for, I think was at one point that one of the top five most viewed videos on all of YouTube. This is a website. This is like a website that has, uh, what, billions of views for some video. Like Dynamite by BTS just crossed the billion mark threshold. And gosh, if you remember like Gynam Style and all sorts of other songs with like memes and Justin Bieber hits and what have you, they all, all hit just absolutely just absurd numbers. And this meme of a, a cat with like Pop-Tart for a body farting out rainbows as it goes meow, 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 um, is one of the most popular or was one of the most popular videos on YouTube. So, you know, I heard it, I saw it in this, on the soundtrack playlist thing, and I had to play it. So anyways, there you go. That's the history of this song. But as it pertains to the movie, I really don't think it's a hot take to say that the Mitchells versus the Machines is one of the most creative and silly and frenetic and all in a positive way but all of those things it's one of the most creative movies maybe i've ever seen honestly directed by michael rianda and jeff rowe as the co-director and uh, produced by of course the uh, miller lore duo that brought you things like the lego movie and into the spider-verse which i uh, i think both of which i've had similar praise for i think we've done spider-verse on the pod i don't think we've i don't think the pod dates back to the lego movie now that i think about it. maybe we did the lego batman movie but either way the mitchells versus the machines is just it's a delight it's fun from beginning to end it is it is heartwarming it tells a tale of of you know nature versus technology of a family i mean i'm sure everyone has been at least today in today's age everyone saying you know no phones at the dinner table right it kind of takes that concept to like the next level but also you know it also has the idea of 
you know, a father and a daughter and a family that is slowly growing apart or slowly at odds with one another because they just don't know how to talk to one another, right? And I mean, look, when you watch animated movies these days, you kind of get the, you, you kind of know what you're getting, right? I feel like, I don't think that's a, a super hot take to say, right? Like most good animated movies, and again, most of them are made by Di- I I should I was gonna say most are made by Disney. I shouldn't say that. They're not mostly made by Disney. They're just the ones you see the most, the ones that are most accessible are the ones made by Disney, right? Maybe that's more fair to say, because this certainly is not by made by Disney. This is made by Sony Animation. We just talked about like Wolf Walkers from the, a couple of months ago. Certainly not made by any major studio, right? And and, and again, those you can't discount these movies because they're not made by Disney, right? But it's just the the Disney movies are certainly a little more accessible and a little more commonplace. And again, we can have the conversation about Disney owning the majority of Hollywood at a later date. But I guess what I'm saying is that when it comes to animated movies, in large part because of the Disney renaissance of the what the late the very late '80s, the early '90s, the idea of family movies, family animated movies, being made for uh, for not just the kids, but for the adults, right? I think is something that has become more and more and more commonplace, right? And the really good ones have stories that touch a family of all demographics and all people of all ages and all sorts of things, right? And I think the Mitchell versus the Machines do that just to a T, to an absolute T, right? And certainly in a large part of it when it comes to especially animated movies with voice acting does, I think, rely a little bit on the... Uh, on the, the the quality of the voice acting, and certainly look at the actors here, Abby Jacobson, who plays Katie Mitchell, Danny McBride, who plays Rick Mitchell, the father, uh, Katie is, of the, is the daughter, so they're the two kind of main characters, Maya Rudolph is Linda, the wife, Linda Mitchell, and Michael Rianda, I didn't actually realize this until I looked it up afterwards, Rianda, the director, is uh, the young boy, he plays Aaron, Aaron Mitchell, right, so they're the, they're the family, okay, they're the main family, and, you know, you got some other really great guys in there as well. You got Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman has the evil smartphone, which really made me laugh. Uh, Chrissy Teigen and John Legend as, like, the perfect neighbors. Fred Armisen is, like, a kind of wayward robot. You know, Blake Griffin is in there somehow, which is, I, I didn't realize until I watched the credits, but pretty funny that Blake Griffin and Conan O'Brien are in there, but... Look, I think the main characters are Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, and Michael Rianda. And I got to say, I, I've not actually watched a lot of Abby Jacobson stuff. My roommate uh, informed me that she was from a TV show called Broad City and that she is also the main voice actor in that new uh, animated series. I guess not new because I guess it's been around for a couple of years, that animated series by the people who made The Simpsons. It's called like Enchantment or Disenchantment or something like that. Either way, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with Abby Jacobson, I admit, like as a as a real person actor. As as much as I am with like Danny McBride or Maya Rudolph at the very least, right? I mean everyone knows movies they have been in and everyone's seen Saturday Night Live, I would say, right? But I just I gotta say, they just they they kill it. They absolutely kill it. Danny McBride, oddly in this movie, kind of sounds like Seth Rogen, I feel like. That's what it kind of sounds like to me, which is strange at times. But at the same time, they just they provide warmth and depth to these characters that some other animated movies just don't have, right? So that's that's definitely a big part. But look, when you're watching The Mitchells versus The Machines, apart from the, the, the really great story and the life lessons that are imparted there and, and kind of you know people coming together under duress and just all the things that entails... 
What makes this movie so great are the visuals. And I can't believe I've gotten like five minutes into this review without talking about the visuals. But they are crazy. Like it is wild. Like it is a crazy blend of computer computer animation and hand-drawn animation and 2D and 3D things all being blended together. It is crazy. Like if you if you have seen Into the Spider-Verse, I have a feeling you will be at least somewhat familiar with what you're seeing here, right? But whereas Into the Spider-Verse utilized like a lot of really comic booky stuff, like really intentionally, right? Like you'd see Miles' shoes hit the pavement, and you see like bam, and you see like the BAM of bam kind of echo off the corner of his sneaker, basically, right? It's not like that. It's not like that at all, right? It's it's more like um, I don't I don't know if this is like the right way to phrase it, and I apologize if it's not, but it's kind of like kind of memey. Right? Like, for example, like, Katie, for who is a, a film student, and she, she wants to go off to the West Coast. I believe they're from Michigan in the movie. And they want she wants to go off to the West Coast, like, the equivalent of, like, the Google or Apple campus or something, and learn from a university, like, a UF, USC-type university on the West Coast, where she's going to, like, meet friends and find loved ones and, you know, make connections and all the things you do, and the great things you do in university, right? Um and uh, in large part because she wants to get as far away from her crazy dad as humanly possible, right? And, and whenever she, like, expresses herself, like, 2D animation versions of Katie Mitchell will pop up on screen. Like, for example, Danny McBride's Rick. Rick wants to teach Katie Mitchell how to uh, how to drive stick in, in their apocalyptic journey across the United States. And I guess there was something called, like, the Rick Mitchell driving special or something like that where it's essentially like there's like a kind of a colloquialism for how they you know in what order you shift up and shift down on the on the stick shift and it's like cross the stream over the river under the bridge and off you go right and it's like shifting to two three and one and all these different things and uh and whenever they do it it, like the, the screen freezes and then you see like Words pop up on the screen. It's like the, Rich, the Rick Mitchell special, and it's like flames are coming out, and moose are running over the screen. It's like very, um, it's very like high octane. I use the word frenetic off the top. It's very frenetic, very like almost like a mile a minute. Things are happening, and if you don't, if you don't miss it, if you do miss it, I mean, it's not really a big deal because a million more moments are are just like it are on the way. Right? Great musical choices. Again, I said the great voice acting. Silly jokes, some of which land, some of which don't, but it doesn't really matter because if one doesn't land, like like I said, ten more jokes are coming in the next like thirty to sixty seconds, essentially, right? Uh, it's it's just it's, it's a fantastic movie, and I gotta say, it's just nice to see a movie that looks different from a Disney movie. I know we talked about the Disney stuff a little earlier in this review. It's just nice to see something that looks different. I gotta say, I like the Disney movies. I do. But it's like, kind of get, you kind of get sick of just watching all the samey, samey type kind of animation over over time, basically, right? Like, I have no doubt when we get to talking about Luca, for example, that I'm, I'm going to love the visuals. I'm sure I will, because it's all very pretty. But it's just nice to see something different. I, I gotta say it is. And I think that was a very refreshing change of pace, let's say, when it comes to the Mitchells versus the Machines. And uh, yeah, just, it's different, but also good. Right, so I'm I'm sure this is going to be. I mean, oh god, I don't, uh, it's going to be nominated for an award, huh? Some kind of award. We said we weren't going to talk about them, but here, here I am breaking the rule we 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 established in just the past episode. But either way, it, it's just it's that good. And uh, I will say, uh, my favorite part of this movie 
has to do with Furbies, okay? When you get to the Furby point, that's probably the funniest part of the whole movie, even though it is just wildly silly. All I could think of, I gotta say, is at the end of that segment of the, the Furby part, all I could think of was, do kids watching this today know what a Furby is? Like, I didn't have a Furby. Furbies were, I look, a, a teensy bit before my time. Like, they existed in my time, right? Like, certainly, like, my older cousins had Furbies. But I feel like Furbies were very much, like, a mid-80s type thing. And I was born in 1990. So, like, I never had one. I feel like Tamagotchis were, like, my generation's thing, right? I'm, cer- I'm certainly of the same generation of someone who was born in, like, 1985, but it's just, I feel like my age group, someone who is, like, 30, 31, Tamagotchis are more, like, eponymous to them, to us, I should say, than perhaps a Furby is. But either way, like, Furbies are kind of in that same group as, like, gremlins and stuff, right? And I just, I wonder if people, like, kids especially, who watch this are like, Mom, what's a Furby, right? And I, I genuinely wonder, but either way, the Furby stuff was really hilarious. Like, behold, the Twilight of Man was just absolutely terrific. So a lot of great humor in this one. Olivia Coleman as well, especially Fred Armisen as well. The two of them as two of the robots uh, are just absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, the movie is great from top to bottom. If you haven't watched it, you are genuinely, I believe, doing yourself a disservice because it's not just a great animated movie. And we should stop thinking about movies like that as well, right? And between animated and live action or action and drama or whatever. If it's a good movie, it's a good movie. And The Mitchells versus The Machines is absolutely a terrific movie. So watch it as soon as you can. All right, like I said, only two movies, which means that's it from me from this episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast. And again, I mentioned off the top, I'm not exactly sure how the next couple of weeks will go when it comes to recording, because like I said, I want to watch Wrath of Man. Uh, I want to watch, certainly, Army of the Dead, the new Zack Snyder movie. I'm just thinking of like what other movies are coming out. And I'll be completely honest, I'm not really sure what the movie schedule looks like anymore. Like You know how like, in a regular year... Especially, like, as you get towards, like, the Memorial Day weekend down in the United States, you'd, like, be able to look at the calendar or even just in your head think to yourself, okay, well, James Bond's coming out this time and Fast and the Furious is coming out this time and, and you know, the, gosh, like, Black Widow and so on is coming out at these times, right? Like, I, I'm not 100% sure what else is coming out in what order because, I don't know, it's all screwed, right? It's all messed up. It's all effed now, right? So who knows what like the, the theater schedule is and then the, the streaming releases, AMC in the States and Cineplex here. They're going to want people to get their butts back into theaters, but vaccines are not exactly where they – I think they, they should be yet. So are people going to actually go to the theaters? I'm genuinely curious. I don't know what will happen, but – Hey, if there's a new movie to talk about, I will hop on and record some stuff and we will stitch together into a podcast episode for your listening pleasure. Uh, Black Widow, I did mention, and I think Cruella, I want to say, that the Emma Stone Cruella movie, I think are coming out relatively soon as well. So I'm sure the next episode will be like a hodgepodge of weirdo action movies and uh, Disney blockbuster fare. So until then, uh, again, I hope you all stay safe. I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast. And until next time, as always, have a great night. Hey, hey, hey.